Crossover Appeal is a show that will sometimes have spoilers, but the hosts promise not to be jerks about it. Also, from time to time, Walt and Annie may get small details about the things they discuss incorrect, and they would like you to know that every time it happens, it is done on purpose to spite you specifically. Enjoy the show! Hey, everybody, and welcome to Crossover Appeal. I'm Walt McGough. And I'm Annie Carty. Hi, Annie. Hi, Walt. Annie, what do we do on Crossover Appeal? On Crossover Appeal, we take two pieces of media, like a book or a movie or a TV show, and then we mash it up with another book or movie or TV show Sla- and see where the crossovers happen. Yeah, and slam them together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Squish them into a sandwich. The big pop culture car accident of joy. Yeah, wow. Well, that yeah. got dark, well, depending like a, on... Like a wacky racer's car wreck. Uh-huh. Not like... Like someone hitting a woman running out in the middle of the road and pretend that someone else is driving. Oh, yeah, no. Well, I mean, if Myrtle had had a car and they had been playing wacky racers, it all would have turned out way better. Man, now now I'm imagining another um, Wreck-It Ralph crossover with... Uh, the candy racer game. But oh yeah, that that's already happened. So moving on. Sure, we've checked it off the list. Yeah. Annie, why is today unlike any other day? Today is a very special day because we are celebrating Waltmas. Waltmas. That's right. Hey. The celebration of Walt McGough because hey. it's his birthday. Hey everybody, I, I got born. He, I did a good job. He has a birthday, and it's the best day of the year because he's the best Walt in the world. Yay! And and, and uh, we're being super cute and sappy so i'm sorry i can hear all those no it, i am the best walt in the world no well that is accurate actually if you want to come at me and be like oh this other walt is better i'm gonna throw down yeah i mean especially after kid walt got written off of lost um, oh that's right i mean he yeah he was rivaling for a little while I mean, but nice then... uh, we still haven't seen more than the first episode of breaking bad but i assume you're better than walter white yeah i mean i get the sense of that trajectory yeah um, yeah so i'm willing to take it we're gonna and... talk out our problems Yay. instead of going and making drugs i don't know whatever they do on that show <laughs> and so annie to celebrate my birthday what are we doing on so crossover appeal today? today is a very special it's another themed episode but this theme is walt mcgoff um so we are mashing up aren't you well lucky yes the great gatsby <laughs> and the simpsons i like both of them a lot yeah those are two of walt's favorite media things like things ever period. yeah so uh, um that's what we're mashing up here today yay Get excited uh annie for my birthday why don't you tell me about the great gatsby i was i if i could sing the entire great gatsby in the tune of happy birthday i would but <gasps> it's that's... the greatest gatsby He's the greatest Gatsby. He doesn't really come from money, but he's the greatest Gatsby. That's what we're going to sing on all the birthdays from now on. Oh, yeah. Um, So The Great Gatsby is a novel by F. Scott Fitzgerald. It was his third novel and first published in 1925. Uh, The story follows Nick Carraway during the summer of 1922 as he rents a house in fictional West Egg, Long Island. His neighbor is a mysterious man named Jay Gatsby who throws giant parties that everybody crashes. Gatsby has hella money, but probably from shady dealings. Nick's cousin Daisy and her husband live directly across the bay in East Egg, the fancier egg. You know, it's like a a Fabergé egg. Yeah. As opposed to just a a jumbo chicken egg. Yeah, like an egg you eat. You know, old money, new money. Yeah. Crazy. Eggs. Eggs. Um, so Nick is approached by Gatsby, hoping to get a reintroduction with Daisy because, OMG, they used to go out together. What? Gatsby says he and Daisy met five years ago when she was volunteering for young soldiers about to go off to World War One. Romance ensued and Gatsby fell in love with her and everything about her rich, fancy life. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, Gatsby got super rich in hopes of winning Daisy and has been throwing these big parties trying to get her attention. Too ladies. Bad. Uh, hello, ladies. <laughs> no, this is totally subtle. <laughs> ladies love it. I'm not going to resort to like saying hi or anything. No, I'm absolutely. just going to throw giant parties and hope that she kind of comes over at some point. I'm going to go way opulent. Yeah. It's it's like treat yourself. But, but instead of treating yourself... You are treating everyone in the hopes of making someone else love you. Yeah, it's like the inverse treat yourself. Yeah, oh, sad yourself. Oh, no. 
<laughs> oh, um, but anyway, Daisy cannot uh, be treated because she is already married to frat alum jerkface Tom, who's also cheating on her with Myrtle, wife of George the Mechanic. Myrtle. I don't know how Tom actually gets so many ladies in this book. Yeah, he's kind of the he's, worst. He is act- like, if you can describe someone as a bore, that's him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right? Other than like a bore in a man's suit. Yeah, well, that's trying to pass what for human. He is. Yeah, <laughs> that's human a big society. reveal at the end of the novel. They pull off his human mask, <laughs> and he's just a giant pig. That's where the Great Gatsby crosses over with Lost and Animal Farm. Oh yeah, man, everything. It's yeah. the nexus, you guys. Exactly. Um, so Nick arranges a re meeting for date Gatsby and Daisy, who start having an affair because now they're both rich. So why not? But Tom's suspicious, so one day he decides he, Daisy, Gatsby, Nick, and Nick's hookup Jordan should all drive into New York City for drinks. There, Tom and Gatsby fight over who Daisy actually loves. And Daisy cannot claim allegiance to Gatsby. Dude, she's just not that into you. Oh. Oh. On the way back from New York City, Daisy's driving with Gatsby in his car and accidentally hits Myrtle. Oi. Womp womp. Womp womp. Uh, Gatsby pretends he was behind the wheel, even though it was totally Daisy. Uh, unfortunately for Gatsby, Myrtle's husband believes that the driver of the car is the person who had been hooking up with Myrtle. Oh, he tracks Gatsby down and shoots him in his pool. Oh. So Nick is left to handle Gatsby's funeral arrangements and sees that no one, not anyone from the parties, not even Daisy, cares enough about Gatsby to show up at his own funeral. Doesn't the one dude come? Well, so, like, it's Nick... And oh, and he finds Gatsby's father, um, mm-hmm. who and learns that Jay Gatsby was actually James Gats, some like know nothing kid from the Midwest, and his past was like not all he pretended it to be, um, but you know he'd always strive to attain the best and the impossible. Um, so it's Nick, Jane, um, Mr. Gats, and. Uh, an owl owl eyes. Yeah. yeah, I know. I was going to oh, get sorry. to that, hon. I'm sorry. I was just so excited. I know. But, like, basically, no. When you have a gajillion people at your parties and, like, one guy shows up at your funeral, that's, yeah. like, not cool. Not so good. So, we uh, characters, we've got Jake Gatsby, Daisy and Tom Buchanan, Nick Carraway, Jordan Baker, Myrtle and George Wilson, uh, Meyer Wolfsheim, who's, like, Gatsby's sketchy business partner. Mafia uh, connection. Yeah. He has, like teeth cufflinks yeah it's also um, kind of anti-semitic yeah caricature yeah, he's oh. not Meyer Wolfsheim is not himself anti-semitic no but you're you're reading that now and you're like huh so Fitzgerald you actually like we're we're kind of yeah it's like here. oh wasp it's, society in the 20s yeah exactly okay. or like now frankly yeah really um but you also have party guests like um, Owl Eyes, who shows uh, the only other person to show up at Gatsby's funeral I'm sorry uh, I blew up your spot no it's okay <laughs> Gotta read the show notes. I know. Um, and Clip Springer, who's like couch crashing with Gatsby um, and plays the piano. Yeah. Um, so some themes that you probably learned in English class in high school. Um, the American dream and the unattain- unattainability thereof. Uh, Gatsby thinks he can put everything he has into this idea of success, which is basically money and influence and making people love you for having money and influence. Mm-hmm. Um, it ultimately leads to his demise. And Gatsby is forever kind of gazing across the bay at Daisy's green light, never able to achieve what he really wants. Oh. Um, another theme is old money versus new money. Um, D- Daisy and Tom are old money and Gatsby is major new money. And as one of the Real Housewives of New York said, money can't buy you class. Wow, deep cut. Deep cut. Uh, because old money people will remind you of that over and over. <laughs> and either way, being rich only means having a life of shallow pleasures. Uh, because sh- the shallowness of, of society is another theme. Like, people are falling all over themselves to go to Gatsby's parties. But only Nick and a couple of other people attend his funeral. Like, Daisy cries over his sweat, Like, literally cries over his fancy sweaters. And she Doesn't she's not show up, up for him. Like, shallowness, like, in yeah. a swimming pool. Oh. Where you're shot by a Yeah, where you're shot by people. Um, But things that I like and think other people will like about the book, um, the story is seriously engaging. Like, I read it first in high school, and I got super wrapped up in the plot. Mm -hmm. I was really interested to see how this was all going to unravel. Like, I knew that there was something about Gatsby and Daisy, and I think that was all I knew when I went into it. And, you know, the 20s. 
but I was like, I don't know if they're going to end up together. I don't know if they're, you know, going to break up and never see each other again. And then I'm like, wow, Gatsby just got shot right there. Yeah, right there. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, really exciting. Although, you know, now spoilers, but it like the the it's, motion of the plot itself is just fantastic. Yeah, it manages to be really kind of thrilling and yeah, exciting. Yeah, it really does. It's a big page turner. Mm-hmm. Um, and the writing is stellar. So I read, read it for the second time in college and was so impressed by the sentence by sentence level writing. Like, I think the first time I read it again, I was just kind of in it for the plot. But then looking back, I was like, Fitzgerald is a seriously good writer. Yeah. Um, and plus, it's the 1920s. You've got flappers and fancy cars and jazz. Like, yeah. it's just, it's a real good time to be reading about. It's total fancy fun times. Exactly. Um, um, so yeah, that is that is some great Gatsby. Hey, great Gatsby. Can uh, you tell us about the great Simpsons? Can I? Oh, the oh, Simpsons. Oh, my. Uh, the Simpsons is probably the show that has had the biggest influence on, like, just me, as a human being of any piece of media ever in existence. And I should preface this with, I did not grow up watching The Simpsons. So like- But then we started going out and I would say within about a month, I had turned it into Annie's favorite show. That's not exactly true. (laughs) But I feel like I know Simpsons references now, not because I've seen the episodes, but because Walt has quoted them enough times. Like And made sure to explain that they were Simpsons references. Yeah. And so now I'll like if someone says up and at them, I'm like up and at them. And I'm like, I don't even know what episode that's from. And I, it's like the Arnold Schwarzenegger guy. Rainer Wolf Castle. Yeah, but I just I only know that because you say it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> I would be. I'm fine with with Annie being a Simpsons fan by osmosis, um, because everybody should be a Simpsons fan of some kind or another. Because you guys, The Simpsons is great. Um, it's created by Matt Groening. It's the longest running American animated series of all time, and it's actually the longest running. Excuse me, longest running American scripted primetime series ever, which is like a lot of qualifiers. But you guys, this show started in 1989 and it is still going. It's uh, currently in season 28. Um, that's a whole lot of television and a whole lot of content. And I should preface it. Uh, Annie prefaced it by talking about her personal journey to a deep and abiding love of The Simpsons, uh-huh. which she holds to this day. Um, and I should preface it by saying that um, I am a huge fan and grew up watching the first 10 seasons of The Simpsons. Uh, They're really widely regarded as the kind of, I guess, golden years by nerds on the internet like myself. Um, After that, uh, there was sort of a big movement um, away from The Simpsons among people who grew up watching it. I think that was uh, between seasons 8 to 10 or even up through season 12 or when people sort of started peeling away. Um, And the show has sort of gone through peaks and valleys since then of quality, depending on writing staff, also depending on a lot on who you ask and who happens to be watching it at any given point in time. Um, Anybody who's not currently watching The Simpsons will tell you that it was way better when they were watching it and it's terrible now. Um, They totally sold out. Exactly. It was way better when only me and the rest of America knew about it. Um, So yeah, it has kind of settled into a pretty um, routine, uh, not rut, but because it had, does have some really great stuff. But I think when people talk about the sort of golden age main brunt of the Simpsons um, and certainly my, the majority of my personal experience comes from those first 10 seasons. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, But the good news is you can talk about the first 10 seasons while also talking about the rest of the show because The basic synopsis and setup of The Simpsons is very, very simple. It's a family sitcom. Um, It focuses on the life of the Simpsons family. They are a blue-collar family living in the Midwestern and sort of lovingly realized city of Springfield. We never know what state they're in, which becomes a running joke on the show. Isn't that partially because like there are a gajillion Springfields Mm -hmm. and they chose that specifically? Yeah, they chose it specifically because it's so ambiguous that it really is just like small city USA. Um, So the Simpsons live there. um, And really the show has run long enough to when you talk about what it's about, um, you're able to kind of encapsulate literally everything that exists. Um, It has moved from loving sort of family stories to really biting satire to like moment by moment movie parodies to anarchic comedy to straight up farce uh, and to like Halloween specials. And it can often do all of those things or many of those things in the course of a single episode. It's an incredibly versatile show because its template is so simple. Um, The real backbone of the show 
is in the characters. Um, there's the core group, uh, or the core family. There's Homer Simpson, who says dough a lot. He's um, your working class dude, working at a nuclear power plant, trying to make ends meet, never having enough money, never quite having success, kind of an idiot. Um, his long-suffering wife, Marge, who is sort of always thinks about potentially expanding her horizons and growing as a person, but also is very bound up to the home life and very committed to her family. Um, you have Bart, who is the sort of the early breakout character of the show because a lot of little boys were watching the show. He was um, a huge breakout character. Oh, yeah. Like, I guess, you know, someone who never watched it, like, he was all over the place. Yeah, he might be one of the biggest breakout characters just ever. Yeah, like, like he he's an iconic cartoon character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, he's the, the kid with attitude. Uh, the problem child. Skateboard. Yeah, skateboard, uh, don't have a cow man, yeah. all of that. Um, sort of became a catchphrase machine for a while, but the show was always pretty good at getting back to the heart of him as a character and like what it means to be a kid who people don't actually expect a lot from and who doesn't really know where he fits in. Um, you've got Lisa, who is always kind of the conscience of the show. Um, Long-suffering Lisa. Um, she is also, uh, the show finds a lot of really lovely ways to highlight the ways that um, she can herself be sort of centered on herself too much sometimes or her her own compassion and, and intellect can sort of work against her um and then you have maggie the other one she's a baby she's been a baby for and 20 peggy. years and peggy uh yeah exactly um but when i say the strength of the show is in the characters what i'm really talking about is the city of springfield um the wonderful part of having a show that has run almost 30 years like the simpsons is that at this point Almost every single minor character on the show has had at least one episode dedicated entirely to an arc of some kind for them. Um, this was a strength in the first 10 seasons because you really all of a sudden had these episodes popping up where the Simpsons were kind of the starting point of an episode and would usually have a B plot, but they would find A plots that focused in on the citizens of Springfield who were incredibly varied and different and hilarious and fun. Most of them were voiced by Hank Azaria. Um, there are oh, so Hank you treasure. Oh God, just what a gift to mankind. Um, there's Mr. Burns, the owner of the power plant. Smithers, his assistant. Um, Apu, the convenience store store owner, who is also voiced by Hank Azaria in a slightly problematic turn of events, mm -hmm. uh, as far as voice acting is concerned. Um, you've got Principal Skinner at the school. Um, his mother Agnes and Superintendent Chalmers, who is sort of always trying to catch him in things. The Simpsons' next-door neighbor, Ned Flanders, and his family, um, just the sort of most infuriatingly nice human being in the history of the world uh, that the show has a lot of fun tormenting via Homer. Um, Krusty the Clown uh, and Sideshow Bob, voiced by Kelsey Grammer, who is uh, a criminal always seeking to kill Bart in a number of episodes. Um, You've got the kids at the elementary school, especially Ralph Wiggum, who's not bright, uh, Nelson, the bully, and Bart's friend Milhouse, for whom everything is coming up. Um, not very often, though, only when there's a flood and he's wearing Aww. his flood pants. Uh, there's Comic Book Guy, who was the show's writer's way of sort of sending up the very fan base that was growing around the show and was being really nitpicky about stuff. Um, and then you've got just like tons and tons and tons more characters like Bumblebee Man and Professor Frink and Hans Molman and Mary, Mayor Quimby, um, Homer's friends, Lenny, Carl, uh, and Barney at the bar and Mo Sislak, the bartender, who's like one of the best tragic creations ever because he's just pathetic. Um, there are so many characters and all of them have gotten a time to shine on this show because frankly, the show needed to fill content. Um, huh. Well, 28 years. Yeah, you got you got to go through it. Most of them have had two episodes or more at this point. Um, there are some really well-trodden minor characters in this show. Um, but this was a show that really, because of the flexibility of animation, was so able to build this massive and deep world um, beneath the main characters and around. And so it has this big bench of utility players that can come in at any moment for like a one-off gag or for a, a surprisingly heartwarming or touching um, character beat. Um, themes and fun stuff. I mean, the themes of the show are as kind of malleable as the show itself, but it always at its best focuses on the joy of family um, and sort of the need to put family above all things, um, even money and success, which bleeds into another big one of the big themes, which are the sacrifices that you make for family. All of the Simpsons at one time or another have had episodes where they have to kind of 
choose to identify as Simpsons and it might cost them something, but it's always something that they come back to. And uh, those are the moments when the show tends to really shine when it's taking its characters and their problems seriously. Um, it themes like the thousands and thousands of jobs that one untrained father can have over the course of a lifetime, because that is a pretty standard template for a Simpsons episode, which is Homer gets a wacky new job. Um, you know, well, you know, like white, yeah, heteronormative guy. Exactly, white middle yeah. class dude. You know, in this economy, yeah, he's doing okay. Um, but yeah, it uh, the show has a lot of fun with it, and has again gone on long enough that it can be. It has gone through the self aware phase of this part, and then has come back around and is treating these things really seriously. Um, the way that kids just never age or get any older mm. or change grades. Um, why you shouldn't invest in monorails. Uh, a very valuable theme. Yeah, absolutely, and just um, really just lives on in perpetuity um and speaking of monorails um this show has been over the years a breeding ground of amazing writing comic talent uh, conan o'brien started off as a writer on the show he wrote the monorail episode as well as a couple others um there's the sort of legendary john schwartzwelder who's like a uh sort of a hermit figure uh oh, almost wow. like people like people talk about him in like these mythic terms and he wrote some of the best wackiest craziest episodes he just has a voice that's so completely distinct so where did he go um he's around but not really i think right now he has a twitter account where he just tweets out lines from his mystery novels um that are also mm -hmm. hilarious he's a fascinating guy i feel like that someone should start a podcast about him yeah it would be like the next missing richard simmons yes that's what i'm saying yeah, yeah. i, I so, think we could find him oh totally yeah um also uh brad bird director of the incredible and Ratatouille and big influ influence on Pixar was one of the early directors on The Simpsons Aww. and helped define a lot of what made it stand out among animated shows, which was the implementation of cinematic techniques in animation. So rather than doing like a flat sail animation where the background's really static and the characters move in two dimensions, The Simpsons really played a lot with camera angles and staging and lighting effects and found really cool ways to tell stories um, visually and especially to tell jokes. Um, and uh, The Simpsons are also just great to watch, speaking of which, um, for what it means to do a really well done and effective pop culture reference as a joke. Um, I know so many movies and pop culture items more because I saw them on the Simpsons than because I saw them in real life. Like I, uh, the Simpsons is a weird sort of training ground for a kid to start recognizing when it is referencing something and you don't know what it's referencing. They do it with like Citizen Kane all the time. You just suddenly see a shot that looks different and your brain goes, oh, that must be referencing something that adults get. And then, you know, 20 years later, you watch Citizen Kane and you go, oh, Bobo the teddy bear. I get it now. Ah. Um, so, yeah, they really are. Uh, they at their best, they don't tip their hat towards the references they make. They just make them and trust the audience to keep up or at least recognize that something funny is happening. And I'm sure that helps the fact that it was a show that appealed to kids and adults mm -hmm. i mean even as opposed to like tiny tunes which did a lot of those cultural re references but like i don't hear a lot of adults being like oh man i used to love watching yeah tiny tunes with my kids right um whereas the simpsons was something that it seems like got audiences from all spectrums of ages and yeah yeah Absolutely. Like I wasn't at first I wasn't allowed to watch The Simpsons and then I think my parents realized they liked it and it was like, Okay, you're allowed, but you just can't like repeat stuff that they say. And then I did that anyway. But you know, that's what happened. I was gonna say you said you got a dude, but then I was like, No, that's another nineties child <laughs> reference. Oh yes, yeah, so many references. I told my parents to not have a cow and then I was grounded. Oh wow, that's that's kind of a mild one. Yeah, no, I didn't actually tell them that. Oh, okay. I, I was too scared. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah. You're, you're a real good kid. I was a very good kid. I liked rules. Yeah. Um, most of the time. Uh, <laughs> so, Annie, The Simpsons and The Great Gatsby, just two peas in yes, a pod. Yes, 100%. Uh, where is pod. the thematic crossover happening here? That is a real good question. Um, well, they both have to do with class. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, and that, wow. I Well, actually, so... Uh, Okay, Nick Carraway comes away from his Great Gatsby experience, you know, mm -hmm. what I did on my summer vacation. Sure. Really looking at the corruption of the upper class, just the destruction of this idea that if you 
want to achieve something in America, you can you can go at it and oh, get yeah. it. And there's this ultimate idea of success. And that's not true. Um, so I feel like maybe the Simpsons are really holding on to the the ultimate idea of the American dream in that it is not focused on money and kind of outward success, but mm-hmm. that focus on family and the joy of that above money. Yeah, the sort of myth of the, yeah, of the I mean, suburban 2.5 kids. if they are specifically like Midwestern Springfield, like mm-hmm. that is what Nick returns to at yeah. the end of The Great Gatsby. Absolutely, which I think is one of the ways that we are bleeding into potential actual crossovers yes. for these things. Um, yeah, I mean, The Simpsons can be any theme for anybody, so the thematic crossover potential is great. Um, yeah, but I, I'm going to say that's a pretty solid one. Yeah, I, I totally buy that. I thought we'd be doing. Yay! Yay! Oh, ye of little faith. These so, these sorts of timeless cultural yeah, objects right. are are always intersect in different and ways. Like, I I was thinking like, oh my god, how are you going to actually physically cross these over? But considering that the Simpsons, I mean, they're a cultural mashup machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I feel like I can see this as another like Homer gets a new job episode where the Gatsby. Yes stories going on kind of behind the scenes yeah like that that one that's like a james bond right you only move twice like you don't see the rest of it you just kind of know that experience is going on there and the simpsons are having their own story on top of that yeah this is a total like the simpsons are going to west egg kind of episode which um, is another template for episodes that they do all the time oh i bet yeah um yeah like mr burns would have a summer home there and he would like hire homer to like do the yard work or something Mm -hmm. and you know marge is gonna be like the, the the chef yeah. Um, they get to go to a cool party. Yeah. And I, yeah, like Bart breaks into a Gatsby party mm-hmm. and like does skateboarding down the staircase. And becomes super popular because yeah. everybody's really impressed. Lisa, of course, and, meets Owl Eyes up oh, in the yeah. library. And and, um, and I feel like Bart would actually really dive into this idea of like you can be so rich and fancy. Mm-hmm. Like you can show everybody. You can show everybody that you are the biggest you are treating yourself yeah. 9,000 times over. You are treating everyone else and they have to love you because you are the biggest and the fanciest. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, Dr. Frank or Professor Frank is working with Dr. TJ Eckelberg, um, yes. who has the eyes they, looking they, yeah, over. Yeah, they both have really weird eyes. Yeah, they're such eyes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think this is totally either I can see Nick goes through the Great Gatsby and is traumatized and returns back to his home city of Springfield to try to recover his sense of humanity. Yeah. You know, or the Simpsons are going to West End. And I think that maybe Nick, you know, again, like goes through this experience, but then he leaves with the Simpsons at the end of the summer because he's oh, like, yeah. oh, you guys are heading back to my hometown where people are real and they have giant blue beehives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Finally, back to right, reality. Right, back to reality. Well, there is something, I mean, so one of the most contra- controversial Simpsons episodes and one that people often point to as sort of the beginning of the show getting more cynical than heartfelt mm. um, was this episode featuring a character named Frank Grimes, which I'm sure that I have made you watch at some point, but I don't expect you to remember. I don't um, think so. Frank Grimes is basically, the idea is what if a normal person came to Springfield? And he is someone who comes in, he's like worked his whole life really hard, he gets hired at the nuclear power plant, and almost immediately witnesses how someone as uh, idiotic and lazy as Homer suddenly has all of these successes. Like Mm. he has this beautiful family, he's gone to space, he's met presidents, like, you know, the the show has a lot of fun looking at Homer's character history, and Frank Grimes literally goes insane trying to understand how someone as mediocre as Homer can have all of the success and winds up uh, during a nervous breakdown, electrocuting himself and dying. Um, And so like, it's a show, it was very much the series commenting on itself, but a lot of people felt like it might've gone too far. I think it's a super funny episode, Mm. but it's dark. Um, But I feel like, Nick in The Great Gatsby is very much a Frank Grimes kind of character. He's somebody who like comes into this world and never quite meshes or gets it. Yeah, he's very much an outsider. Yeah. Um, whereas at least Nick is able to stand back mm-hmm. and not get emotionally invested to the point of self-destruction. Right. Where at least he he can witness the destruction around him. Yeah. And and step back from that and and be able to say this is not what I want. Right. And I think the Great Gatsby is so much about the world 
of that book is self-destructing. Yeah. Whereas The Simpsons is all about status quo. You're always back to the beginning. Yeah. At the end. So it's about the per the outsider comes into that and the outsider blows up instead of the outsider coming true. into the world and the world yeah. blowing up. I feel like we could write a real great thesis on this. I love, I'm loving this. Uh, <laughs> this is my dream. This is exactly what I wanted for my <laughs> <Yay>. birthday. <laughs> um, so yeah, we talked a little bit about character crossovers, obviously. Well, um, yeah, let's... But let's keep, do you want to keep digging? No, I mean, but I thought you were going to pass right over the games oh no no that's what i meant oh I yeah we're gonna get into some yes. character crossovers um kiss your faces that is interesting um i feel like i feel like smithers needs a little a little mm-hmm. jazz age loving it's true and a little a little uh jazz age in the closet loving uh smithers yeah. is a character well, who only in the recent seasons of the simpsons was allowed to come out as gay and, you know so nick is hooking up with jordan baker but there are theories that he is also hooking up with guys oh like i think the one scene where he goes with Tom to the city with Myrtle and her mm-hmm. sister and like some other guy. Mm-hmm. I think it's like there's the potential for you to read the end of that that like oh, Nick and the other guy the have, have hooked up. Yeah. Um. So I mean, Nick may be by, and then Nick and Smithers. Yeah, they would be actually really yeah, cute together. Right? I think like, they're both kind of quiet, like used to being shuffled around characters. Yeah, they're okay being second banana. Yeah. Um, yeah, they would, I think, be very pleasant together. Yeah. Um, uh, Smithers could show Nick his Malibu Stacy doll collection. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. And they're they're both kind of on the fringes of being super rich. Mm-hmm. It's like neither of them have money, but they hang out with people who have crazy they're, money. They're money adjacent. Yes. <laughs> okay, well, that's actually pretty nice. Yeah, I like that quite a bit. Yeah. That, that's a very heartwarming crossover. Yeah. Um, I've always thought, uh, and it's probably because of the performance of the actress in Gats, which I know you're going to talk about later yeah. on. Um, Jordan Baker gets a short shrift in The Great Gatsby. I mean, she's a very, she's yeah. a fascinating character yeah. and she's very purposefully kept mm. to the fringes of yes. it because Nick is never fully engaging with her. I would and love yeah, to find her. yeah, you know that they're not going to end up together. Oh yeah. I would love to find her someone to get together yeah. with. Um, um, yeah, not knowing the, the rest of the extended, very extended, yeah, very extended universe as well. Um, do you have any thoughts about who? I mean, so my first two thoughts, and this is partly looking at our character list, I would say Principal Skinner. Uh, mm. he's kind of a mama's boy. Yeah. I think she would eat him alive. Yeah. I, I mean, I think she needs someone a little, yeah. m- with, with a little more edge. Oh, you know, he's married on the show. But Apu is a pretty wonderful character. I was going to say about him just because he seems like a guy who's kind of up for some fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the most eligible bachelor for a while before he gets married. Um, yeah. He's very... He's I did, Maybe I saw his wedding episode. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he's a, he's a, just a wonderful sort of solid rock of a character. Uh, and he's one of the one of the side characters who's been allowed to take on the most definition because he's popped up. He's gotten yeah. a lot more of his own episodes. Nice. As opposed to like your Lenny's and your Carl's where the joke with Lenny and Carl is that they're not people like they're yeah, not we're they never going to get an episode yeah. about them um we probably have at this point but very rarely and nobody asked for it i would say i well going also on the the same sex couples route uh, mrs crabapple <gasps> Miss crabapple Jordan, like, yeah Jordan, you know because like she seems like someone who's like man if i weren't in this job i would be living the life exactly she'd be out on the town yeah. um and mrs crabapple of course voiced by the actress whose name i'm looking up who was from the mary tyler moore show no she's who, from the bob newhart show bob newhart show she was excuse his me secretary yes i'm sorry uh i've done it I've done <laughs> i watched it. a lot of um <laughs> marshall wallace yeah i watched a lot of nick at night when i was a kid yeah mrs crabapple is great you guys uh yeah she's a character that the show has a lot of fun with she also and i mean i was thinking about this as i was putting the list together and if other people are diehard simpsons fans feel free to chime in she is one of the few really fully defined female characters on the show we get a lot of side characters who are guys i think partly because hank azaria is doing most of the voices but like you get patty and selma marge's sisters and like you get side characters who pop up but most of the really memorable characters, especially from those first 10 seasons, are, are guys for the most part. That's interesting because I was going to say, okay, well, again, like she passed away recently, which is really too bad. Um, but – and I was like, oh, I guess none of the other 
characters have had actors who passed away and i'm like that's that's like largely because hank azaria yeah. is still among us there's like six of them total and he will never die because it's, he's adorable he's not allowed to and there have been really wonderful female characters but usually they tend to come onto the show for like, like an episode yeah. and then leave yeah like there's that one where marge goes um, marge on the lamb yeah yeah that episode that's is a fun one. it's on my list of i'm part of my recommendations are episodes oh, people should there watch you go. Uh, but yeah marge gets a friend who's down who lives down the street and then she's gone after that episode for the most part she pops up occasionally um but yeah uh i think some of the most memorable stuff tend to be dude centric uh other kiss your faces um man i mean like you know we could have like owl eyes hook up with somebody um yeah. but yeah like i feel like the those are my main yeah look pairings absolutely i think day i can't think of anybody that daisy would like maybe daisy would go after mr burns Frankly, yeah. I mean, he's got the most money. Yeah, he's not in the, mo- but in the even best that, shape. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I'd rather have Daisy battle dome with someone. Yeah. <gasps> Daisy would be great with Hank Scorpio from you. From you only move twice. Yes, uh, voiced by Albert Brooks in probably one of the, just the best vocal performances ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He. I mean, again, like I remember that episode. He did yeah. a great job. Oh yeah. He would ask her if she'd ever seen a guy say goodbye to a shoe before. She would be. And she would so- say yes once. Yeah. <laughs> she would be so impressed. She would be. Um, oh yeah. So yeah. Um, how about Battle Dome? Well, I feel like um, Lisa and Daisy would actually be throwing down yeah. because there is a quote that I can pull up. Ooh, um, references. I know, right? This is all going uh, to the in thesis. the Great Gatsby. Daisy's talking about her own daughter, and she says, "I hope she'll be a fool. That's the best thing a girl can be in this world—a beautiful little fool." And I feel like Lisa would have none of that. No, Lisa would not. It's she, the Malibu Stacy episode all over yes, again. Yes, exactly. She'd be like, "That is." just deeply incorrect <laughs> no i'm sorry no yeah like whereas bar would be spending his time at the parties lisa would be like i need to tell you why you cannot succumb to this idea that females can have no intelligence whatsoever yeah, absolutely um i think uh i think homer and tom buchanan would fight yeah i feel like even homer would like not even know that he was fighting exactly he'd just no. be like buffooning around he would be constantly angering tom yes and then they would fight and you know tom would exhaust himself yeah it would Uh, be bad yes um yeah yeah and um uh who else yeah well well, george wilson um i feel like he would i don't know maybe i can see him which one is george he's the 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 mechanic turned murderer oh right yeah yeah um yeah like i feel like i could see him either fighting or befriending the bar guys oh yeah mo i feel like he would go to mo's yeah maybe that's it and actually maybe mo is the one who tips him off about it he's like you know whoever whoever ran over myrtle that's gotta be her lover oh yeah that would be the kind of decision making that mo would be pretty to totally yeah yeah i feel like mo would in this in this episode with the simpsons go to west egg mo would be like experimenting with a vacation bar yes like like, uh, a tiki bar yeah (laughs) mo's on the beach oh mo's on the beach he could serve flaming mo's again yes Uh, but yeah i think george and like barney and lenny and carl would all get along real well yeah um yeah i think comic book guy and owl eyes oh totally yeah uh, comic book guys a little harder edge than Owl Eyes, but I think they would still hang out. Oh, and also for sure, Millhouse and Owl Eyes. Oh my god, oh. yeah, Millhouse grows up to be Owl Eyes. Yeah, and I, I yeah. think that's yeah because it's like, oh my gosh, you nerd, you and you're like hanging out with the really cool kids for some mm-hmm. reason, but you're you're the kid who's gonna show up at Bart Simpson's funeral. Oh yeah, he's the only one. He's the only one. I feel like Bart would like glimpse into his future and see just Milhouse at his funeral, <laughs> and true. and that would be like I can't live this way. I've yeah. got to go back to Springfield. I've got to change my ways. Yes. Oh yeah, Milhouse will be there though. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, principal characters in The Great Gatsby as well. Yeah, because, um, I mean, there actually aren't a lot. Like, Yeah, it's, it's very focused. It's, it really is, because I was going through the list, and I was like, wow, these are fairly limited. Like, there are references to a ton of other people. Like, yeah. um, the girl at the party who's like crying oh yeah they're like, like fleeting little yeah, glances yeah there are just a lot of glances of people what but, about mr gats 
Oh, Mr. Gatz. I think Mr. Gatz would be friends with Hans Molman. Which one is he? Hans Molman is a little wrinkly dude who looks like a peanut and basically exists in the show to be tortured. Um, he just pops up every now and then, and he's very sad. Aww. He is also the one when everyone is booing Mr. Burns, uh, is saying boo Burns instead. Oh, that's adorable. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, they can be friends. Yeah, they're both they have the right kind of pathetic, I think. I feel like um Marge would want to try and help Myrtle. She would be like, yeah. "Honey, this is probably not the best idea. Don't you think that mm-hmm. this is not the best idea?" But then maybe her sisters would be like, "Whatever, dude's got money." Exactly. Just be smoking it, up and be like, "Get it, girl." Oh, Patty and Selma. Yeah. yeah, I feel like Marge would want to be part of the parties but wouldn't enjoy them. Like she would like want to go and then not want to go. Yeah, anymore. she'd be like, oh, because it's fancy and we should go and like not yeah. actually end up enjoying it. Right, and then I think she would find Myrtle and they'd be friends. Yeah, like because I feel like yeah, if you're like working for Mr. Barnes and his mansion, like you know, there the the mechanics shop in the wastelands is like your you know those are your people. Yeah, it's the way to escape. Yeah, and yeah. like and her her sisters would be there. Oh, Patty and Selma. Yeah, giving bad advice. Marge would be trying to give good advice. Yeah, it would be bad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that those would be some good best buddies. I think Homer and George would probably get along. So, like, maybe they would, like, all yeah. double date on, like, a weird, sad double date yeah, with George and Myrtle and Homer and Marge. double date. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Oh, under the watchful eyes of TJ Eckleberg. Yeah. I feel like that is, like, if you took Gats and, the, and Mr. Burns, the play, yeah. and just mash that up, that oh, is the experience man. that you would get. That is true. Um, yeah, and then I think uh, Meyer Wolfsheim and Fat Tony, the mobster from, Simpson, from The Simpsons, oh, yeah, there would you be, go. Do, would, they would be business partners. Oh, buddies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that like there's a lot of potential crossover here. I'm excited about the thematics of this. Me of this too. World. This is way because like it's earlier rich this and evening, fertile territory. I was like, this is I have no idea what we're gonna do here. Mm-hmm. I can attest to that. Yeah. Um, it's a rich ground we're covering. It is. Um, so if people want to plant seeds in that rich ground, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this and metaphor. Hey, a, Annie, how about Reader's a, Advisory? In the garden that you never you see. Never see. Oh, flashback. Flash, yeah. Uh, why don't you tell us about Reader's Advisory for if people like The Great Gatsby? Uh, so if you like The Great Gatsby and you want more novels that you might have missed in high school, um, I feel like The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway is probably the best connection. Um, it's not mm. my personal favorite because I don't really like Hemingway. <laughs> But it has a very similar vibe and a lot of similar themes, like young people hitting parties way too hard, hitting each other way too hard, and trying to pretend that they belong to something. Mm -hmm. Um, This is set in Spain around bullfighting as opposed to Long Island. Um, Nice. But yeah, that similar kind of theme. Mm -hmm. Um, Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf, um, which is also set around that time period, another great book of the 20s. Um, less condemnations of the upper class here, but Wolf's writing is just stunning as she looks at that post-World War One life and how people in different social spheres are trying to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then East of Eden by John Steinbeck, which is another classic novel that's a serious page turner. Like this one is, again, less looking at the upper class, but still deals with identity and if you can rise above where you came from. Also, Kathy is one of my favorite creepy characters in literature creepy characters yeah like i mean not that anyone in the gatsby is creepy but like when i remember hearing about gone girl and reading it and everybody was like oh my god amy is such a manipulator and she's so intense and scary and i'm like kathy could take her down serious sociopath so awesome um and then for more jazz age jazziness, um, Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, the show and the books. We've talked about Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries before. Circus folk. Was, circus folk. Um, I think that was in episode three. Yeah, it was um, very early. Yeah, so go check out our episode about that for more about Miss Fisher because she's amazing. Um, okay, so it's the 1930s and not the 20s, but I feel like the Thin Man movie is kind of what Gatsby and Daisy could have been if they were better people. Yeah, and like lived in the city. Yeah. Because um, she's an heiress. They have wild parties. But Nick and Nora are both smart and funny and fun instead of destructive and ultimately not matched at all. And they solve crime. They solve crimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Chicago the Musical. I really I really enjoy the movie. I feel like it mm-hmm. was an excellent adaptation of a musical that like kind of doesn't hold together for me on stage. Yeah, totally. Um, but it does a great job showing like moral corruption in the 1920s set against a lot of glam and glitz and dance and jazz yeah yeah it holds up yeah it really does and Mm -hmm. like excellent performances all around like uh john c Riley alone yeah he's fantastic uh catherine zeta jones does a great job Mm -hmm. queen latifah like it's a great 
good time. Um, and I don't know if they're still doing this, but Elevator Repair Service is the theater company that did a play version of The Great Gatsby that was literally the whole book read aloud by various actors. Who, and they start out in this like dingy office, so it's not like you're seeing West Egg immediately. Uh, but somehow they become the characters as they're reading this, and it's just amazing. Yeah. It's, it's several hours. It's like eight hours. It's an eight-hour day. Yeah, so you go for the whole day to see this play, and it's Fascinating. Yeah, it's one of the my favorite things I have ever seen on stage. And like the first thing I did when I came home was open my copy of Great Gatsby yeah. and start pulling out lines. And I feel like that was another thing where we went to see it, and I was like, "This writing is fantastic." Yeah, I think people talk about the Great Gatsby because again, it's like Jazz Age and love and Gatsby and Daisy, but like his sentence by sentence writing is phenomenal. Yeah, there's a density to the language, and like what I loved about seeing Gats the show was that like they were pulling out lines from the middle of paragraphs that I, if I were reading just in my oh, sort of yeah. fast reading, I would totally miss. But I still remember there's a line where when Gatsby's telling Nick about his actual history and he's talking about Daisy and he says, she thought I was smart because I knew different things than she did. Mm. And like something about that observation is just so like pure and and crystallized mm. and just brilliant. It's that, great. It's actually almost like the definition of magic in uh, the Tiffany Aching books. Ooh. Yeah, it's like because it doesn't, you know, it, magic is like, no, you know, you know something that someone else doesn't. That's right. So Terry Pratchett's been prepping. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> still way deep into those guys anyway. Yay. Um, so yeah, if you uh, want to get into The Simpsons or make your loved one get into The Simpsons, yeah. what would you suggest? Um, so I figured I would start off the Reader's Advisory just by listing some, talking about some episodes of The Simpsons that I think you should watch if you haven't had the chance to see it and would like to, because man, it is daunting. Um, but uh, some episodes that I just think show different things and are really wonderful. Um, there's Last Exit to Springfield and You Only Move Twice. Um, you Only Move Twice is uh, basically a James Bond riff, uh, which is really, really great. Um, there's Marge versus the Monorail, which is the one written by Conan O'Brien and is often held up as one of the best, uh, episodes of the Simpsons. It's just totally bonkers and delightful and random features Leonard Nimoy in a cameo. Uh, and it's essentially a riff on the music man, but with a monorail. Um, there's Simpsons roasting over, uh, Simpsons, Simpsons roasting over an open fire, uh, which is their first Christmas episode where they get a dog and is wonderful. And in my household holds a very special place. Um, uh, for Lisa, there are a lot of really great Lisa episodes to kind of deal with it. There's Lisa, the iconic iconoclast. There's the summer of four foot two where that, the family actually gets a beach house and goes and Lisa tries to hang out and like reinvent oh, herself I as a cool kid. And it's just lovely. It's a perfectly balanced episode. I feel like as far as the relationship between Lisa and Bart. Um, there's Bart Sells His Soul, which is another really great one. Mo starts up a family restaurant, which is adorable. Um, there's Radioactive Man, in which the goggles, they do nothing. Uh, it's one of my most quoted episodes, personally. Uh, it's just delightful. Marge on the Lamb, we talked about, where Marge makes a friend who uh, they wind up running from the law, and it becomes a sort of fun riff on Thelma and Louise. It also involves a whole sequence of people talking about how best friends stick together that culminates in two waffles that are stuck together and a chef saying that's just what good waffles do <laughs> now i want waffles yay this is what annie lives with on a daily basis everybody that's true sometimes waffles say something and look expectantly at me and i'm like is that a simpsons reference and it is it always is um there's their annual Treehouse of Horror, where they do like a little three three episode or three clip anthology of um, Halloween stories that are always really fun and are a good way to just sort of watch them untethered by the canon of the show, such as it is. And then I think uh, there's an episode called Twenty Two Short Films about Springfield that is twenty two short stories that are all about minor characters, and was one of the first episodes to really really go all in on fleshing out. Um, these characters who may be glimpsed moments at a time. Uh, and it's just a really fascinating and delightful episode for a trip through Springfield. Um, if you want to watch other stuff, I mean, I guess, uh, you can watch Futurama, which was also created by Matt Groening um, and was his sort of next show after that. In a lot of ways, I think it's a show that was built to last a little more effectively than The Simpsons because they have the whole universe at their disposal. So you can always find new and random things to do, whereas The Simpsons was always tethered to Springfield. Um, I think currently the uh, 
currently running animated shows that together most represent, I think, what is great about The Simpsons, I would say, would be Archer and Bob's Burgers. I think Bob's Burgers has all of the heart, and Archer Every- has all of the cynicism, mm. and they both have all of the H. John Benjamin. Who's delightful himself. Yeah, as a voice actor. Um, they're really fun. And I feel like what you were saying earlier about Bart and being the, the kid who people don't expect much from, I feel like mm. Louise is very much that. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, like I... I actually love Bob's Burgers, and I'm very picky about the animated shows that I watch for some reason. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I feel like they that has that kind of heart for the kid who is a troublemaker and um, mm. yeah. And really is, but is able to step up when they need to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think Bob's Burgers is a show that is very much modeled after The Simpsons, but where the family is much more openly in love with one another. Yeah, and like, like, and like the father is a stable figure. Yeah, exactly. They don't homer him. Right. And, and which is great. Like Bob is the straight man of the show. Yeah. It's a it's a show that where the characters take way more joy in one another yeah. than The Simpsons, I think. Um, for live action proxies to The Simpsons, I think Arrested Development is one of the most prominent, but also Community is a great show that sort of handles pop culture riffing in a similarly intelligent and fun way. Um can uh, I add another uh, real life one? I, uh, Parks and Rec for the oh, expanded yeah. universe of characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for the the just side characters who you meet and become really beloved. Um, South Park, maybe sorta. Uh, I feel like South Park in a lot of ways was modeled as and has also become a sort of more cynical Simpsons, um, and it's good. Uh, I I haven't watched it in a while, but uh, they are certainly doing a lot of work. Um, and uh, you can also just like make an entire film class curriculum from the references made in The Simpsons and then go watch those movies because they have good taste. Um, and then actually one that Annie mentioned during the podcast that I should throw in is, since we're talking about plays, the play Mr. Burns, a post-electric play by Anne Washburn. It's crazy. The whole premise of it is that there has been an apocalyptic event and in the post-apocalypse, um, one of the main ways that people connect to one another is through Simpsons references. Um, this is like the show made from Walt's dreams. It is. Um, if, but if we ever have an apocalypse, this is where Walt wants to go. This is after. where I'll shine. Yes. Um, but yeah, it starts almost immediately after the apocalypse and then it jumps forward in time to where like there have started to be performing troops that perform pop culture sort of memories and like the idea of like having a fully assembled script for a Simpsons episode is a really hot commodity but they also like perform uh, commercials and stuff and then it jumps way in the future and you see this kind of Greek opera style performance of um, a sort of the way that the Simpsons as a source text have blended into the mythology of this new world. It's just a really fascinating look at the way that stories become emblematic and iconic and work their way into culture. Um, It's super duper fun. So see it if it is in your town. Um, Well, Annie, I think we did it. We, yeah, surprisingly. I had a great birthday. Yay! Yay. Special Walt birthday episode. I got everything I wanted. Yay! Um, But if people want to get everything that they want, i.e. more crossover appeal content, where should they go? They can go to crossoverappealpodcast.tumblr.com for all our show notes and other fun stuff. If you want to email me uh, money for my birthday or, (laughs) I don't know, uh, your favorite Simpsons episode, that would be cool too. Um, You can email us at crossoverappealpodcast at gmail.com. You can join our Facebook group at Crossover Appeal Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Crossover Appeal. And you can subscribe to us on things like iTunes and rate and review us because that's awesome. And because it's Walt's birthday, I, I feel know, like that guys. is the thing that he would like the most outside of to you emailing and saying. Yeah, maybe what? don't even email me money or email me the Simpsons. <laughs> just, just go leave us a review. I'm just imagining people like emailing you the, like a card, you know, those cards that have the money in them. Oh, yeah. No, you know, you take your $20 bill, you open the CD tray on your yeah. computer, you pop it right in there, yeah. you close it up. Close, open the zip drive. Yeah, exactly. Just, and just put it right in yeah. there. Yeah. It's zipped like a pocket. Yeah. Um, But yeah, um, leave us a review, why don't you? Tell us what you think. And if you don't feel like doing that, um, throw a tweet out about the show or post on Facebook about it. That would certainly be the best... The best birthday present of all would yeah. be word of mouth marketing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, everybody, I think that's going to do it for this birthday edition of Crossover Appeal. Thank you very much for listening. And until two weeks from now, I'm Walt McGough. And I'm Annie Cardi. And we are reminding you to, as always, please ship responsibly. 